think great leaders are willing to say what's unpopular. They're willing to say what needs to be said, whether it's going to be well-received or not. I think you have to have that. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the no excuse kind of thing. And, and so I look, I look for that. I look for guys who really go out of their way um, when nobody's watching. That just takes a lot of awareness and a lot of humility and, again, service thinking about somebody else instead of wallowing in, in my own sorrow and what I'm going through, which is real right now, but yet still being on, on high alert for how other guys are doing. You're listening to the Lippert Academy for Leadership podcast, a show where we invite leaders to have courageous conversations about the journey of leadership, work, and culture. Let's go. You know, I'm curious, you've mentioned a couple times these 18 fundamental tenets. Can you maybe explore and, and shed a little bit of light on on maybe what those are, but even more importantly, how they have helped guide you as a leader through the cultural development of your program? Because I think that, you know, when we talk about leadership and culture development, uh, sometimes that seems like a very big topic to people. And like, how do you really operationalize that? And I think something like your 18 fundamental tenets that you've created is a way to operationalize culture, right? And give you a guiding, a guidebook basically to Mm -hmm. the execution of that on a consistent basis, which is what it takes to build a culture, right? Is consistency over time. So talk to us about that. Well, you know, it it all started when my dad took over. It it was faith is first in our program, family second, academics are third, and and our guys can recite that. Uh, Football falls fourth or could be below fourth. That doesn't mean we don't work hard at football. It just means that the, the well-being of every student-athlete as a human being comes first. And so all these different words that you see on the 18 tenets and, and really within our Cardinal Manual, it just, as we said earlier, just allows us to have the conversations that are necessary for guys to feel comfortable opening up. And it doesn't happen right away. One of the other things that we do that I think is really powerful from a coaching standpoint is we ask our players um, – to respond to a statement, and I saw this in um, a football article a few years ago, another coach that did this. So I, again, you know, I wish I had an original thought. The day that I have an original thought, I'll give you a call and let you know hey, I had my first one. <laughs> you know, it's just, this is one of those deals we're allowed to steal from each other and, and collaborate. But it was, I thought it was just a, such an awesome idea. In our Cardinal Manual meetings, our players are learning about each other, but our coaches are learning about our players too. We're listening. I'm not in there telling them what faith means. They're talking to each other. And that's the magic behind it, in my opinion. So we get to know them there, but then we wanted to take it a step further. And uh, so we have this statement that we have them fill out. It just says, if my coaches knew this about me, they would coach me differently, dot, dot, dot. Wow. And then they fill it out, they fold it up and they hand it into us. And now we have a running uh, Google doc that we keep. So every player in our program, we can look and say, ideally, this is really where he, how he wants to be coached. Because they're all different, and especially in this generation. But that allows us to coach each kid a little bit differently. You know, if a coach, if, if a kid writes down, I don't ever like to be yelled at, and that's the end of it. Well, we need to have a further conversation and say, okay, well, what happened? Why do you feel that way? But it just, it creates an environment where I think our, our players feel safe, and I think they feel uh, loved and appreciated. And I'm sure we're failing somewhere. I'm, sh- I'm not telling you that 130 out of 130 are jumping up and down. My hope is they are. Um, but all of that, I'm getting around to saying these words 
they take this really seriously. They take these conversations really, really seriously. And they, they get involved. Last Thursday night was my first sit-in. I, I told you about reading the book, The Garden. So we have six senior leaders who have drafted portions of our team. And they did their own individual Zoom calls. And I assigned a different coach to each team just to sit in and listen. So we're hearing our players again. And I, you know, I, I told our guys at the end of it, I said, guys, you give, me, you give me so much hope that we've got a much brighter future than what we're currently experiencing. Because what they said, these young 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids, it was so profound and so deep and well thought out. When that happens, we as coaches can sit back and let the players lead. And that's when you know you got something special. 100%. So two things I want to pull out there um, and hit on is first, you know, you said they take it seriously. And, and here's the thing, leaders, if you're listening to this, those guys take it seriously because Coach Thorne takes it seriously and his staff takes it seriously. Like that sense of seriousness and importance flows from the top. And if, if you don't take it seriously, leadership, culture, treating people well, having difficult conversations, your people certainly aren't going to because people, people want to be led. They are looking for leadership and they are looking for permission to do what they know in their heart is right. And you are the only one that can unlock that that freedom, right? Like it's for freedom's sake that we've been set free. And so many people live in such bondage of how they operate because they, their, their leaders don't create that space where they can freely express themselves, freely operate out of how they've actually been wired. So if you're wondering why things aren't taking root in your organization, before you point fingers at anybody else, really step back and look at yourself and ask yourself, am I showing up? Am I treating this stuff with the weight that it deserves? And until you do, nobody else is going to. Like if, if Jason Lippert at LCI does not take leadership and culture seriously, guess what? There's not anybody else in the organization that's going to, you know? And now there, there will be, but it won't allow the true full transformation to occur because it, it won't get solidified. They won't get validated for operating out of that way. And that's an important part of the human experience, right? And then secondly... You know, hearing about when your team starts leading in that way, that's when you know something special is happening. But it does take time, right? It takes time for, for guys to have been in a system or a program long enough that it isn't top down anymore. It's just how we operate. And then, I, and I'm sure you can see this, we see this with Notre Dame football as well. It's like, man, guys that have been in the system long enough, now all of a sudden they start creating their own ideas out of it, right? Yeah. And like they're bringing to you ideas that they have on ways to take this another step or, or evolve it. And that's when it gets really exciting, you know, to, oh, to see yeah. them having their own creative thought. And I think the other thing that comes out of that is, is, you know, you have a sense of trust in your team. I, I did a, an interview with Dr. Pat Ivey, who's the uh, Associate Athletic Director at Louisville now for Student Athlete Wellbeing and High Performance. And, you know, we were just talking about how many coaches across the country um, on March 13th were freaking out because mm -hmm. their guys weren't coming back. And like, oh right. God, what's going to happen? 
happen if they're not here and I can't right. control them, you know? Yeah. And, you know, at Notre Dame, we were like, okay, we're going to send them the plan. We've got this. And I, and from our conversation, I already know that, you know, y- you guys have a complete confidence. Hey, they're going to continue doing the right thing because this is how they're built. This is how yeah. they're wired. And so yeah. I'd love to dive into that a little bit now. You know, in D3, you're not playing a season. Um, you're not competing in actual games. So how are your guys handling and processing that? It's, you know, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it's been challenging for them. I mean, I know they want to be playing. I know that they, they want to be able to get back to some normalcy. But I think football has been their escape from everything else. So when they get on the football field, they're just they're joyful. And, and they're running around. But I was blown away uh, when they came back. We brought them in early. We brought them in August 13th. We didn't start class till August 24th, and we're not having a season. We tested them. They had to sit in a dorm room for four days. They could leave to go get their box of food and go back. That's hard, especially for the freshmen who lost their spring, uh, spring of their senior year. Now their first college experience is, I get tested and I'm in a dorm room with somebody I may or may not know very well for four days. They've been unbelievable. But when we started working out, I was intentionally, we went a few weeks without doing any football. We're, we're just going to condition and we're going to lift and make sure everybody's in really good shape before we put helmets on. They were already in really good shape. I don't know how they did it. Um, you know, we gave them a body weight workout they could do if they didn't have anything. If you had access to weights, they had a plan and they had a program to follow. But I mean, a lot of these guys came back stronger and it was like, how in the world? Um, so it just, yeah, it reinforces what we kind of already knew to be true, that these kids are special. They work their tails off and they're really responsible and they hold, hold each other and themselves accountable. So it was really, it's been, while challenging, it's also been incredibly rewarding to watch these guys go through this. And that's, um, you know, that's a lot of the conversations we've been having too, is like, yeah, guys, this is hard. This is hard yeah. and, it, and it sucks a little bit. And I know that there's a lot of conversations that you're engaging in. We've got a lot of guys that are really involved in the, in the social, social injustice conversations, which are, which mm-hmm. are and they're handling it just so re, like in such powerful ways like they're leading well in that space you know and 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 yet those are heavy emotional topics that that weigh on you and can be draining and so it's been really cool the conversations that it's opened up of like hey listen god's given you an opportunity to learn how to balance heavy demands in important areas of your life in college in a safe place playing a game you love you know because one day guess what you're going to be a husband you're going to be a father you're going to be a business leader you're going to be doing multiple things that require all of you to be in all of those places and so this is this is training ground you know for that you know this is training ground to learn how to deal with adversity or setbacks and so let's let's this is sort of a broad adversity adverse season that your that your team is navigating and learning how to navigate i want to go back to october 5th of your season last year so you you won the national championship right in in 2019 um but on october 5th you lost your first game to Wheaton College, and that's relatively yeah. early in the season. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, how do you lead? How do you lead through moments of adversity like that? That yeah. that reach them right where they are, but still, you have to. I mean, your goal is to still win a national championship. So right. talk to us about that moment and what your leadership was like. Uh, you know, my wife was was great. I came home from that game. I was devastated. I just because we've we've really believed we had a really special team, and Wheaton's a great team. 
our, our bitter rival. And I came home. She knew I was beat up pretty bad. And it was either later that night or the next day, she came home with uh, a couple different um, like wall hangings. And, and one of them said, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. And that hangs in my office now. And, and it really, it hit me right in the forehead. Like, hey, what are we going to learn from this? And so I think the way we responded as a coaching staff was we told the truth. And the film doesn't lie. And so what we did, uh, and we, we never do this, this is the first time in my entire, my 18 years at North Central that the entire team watched the full game together. Wow. Because what we had, and I didn't have to say much. You know, I wasn't yelling at anybody. I maybe pointed at the board and said, is this the best we've got? Is that, is that your best effort? That, I didn't raise my voice. But when the players who've been through everything they've been through together and care about each other. We'd already had a lot of adversity up to that point in the season, crazy stuff happening. It didn't take anything more than that. And then the players took over and they took over in their dorms, in the locker room, in the weight room, having conversations with guys that, that maybe didn't put forth the best that they had made some adjustments, you know, after the game with, you know, playing time and things like that, that you have to do. Unfortunately, as coaches, you have to do that. We just had a completely different mindset the rest of the year. We also realized we, were, we, we became desperate because at that point in D3, if you don't win your conference, there's no guarantee you get in the playoffs. And ironically, we were the last team that was selected for the playoff field. Wow. Last team that got in. And uh, so that desperation that we played with was really important. We were, we were a wounded animal, essentially. So we played with desperation, and, and when the when the playoff bracket was announced, uh, I knew the, the the president of the committee, and he had texted me the morning of the announcement. I was in church, and uh, he he just texted me, "I like my whiskey neat." So I knew we were in, uh, but I didn't tell our coaches or our players because I wanted them to feel that same desperation. Yeah, and we were we were the last at large team announced. And we were the last one to get in. So our guys were frantic in that room. And we were able to hold on to that then the rest of the season. That was just keep playing that way. Keep playing desperate. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's something that, I, that just gets me so excited because I, you know, when I was in college, I would always like life short, live fast, you know? And so yeah. it's like, you know, what, what experiences can we have? What relationships can we build? What can we do? What in someone who was like, Amber, you know, you're not supposed to complete your bucket list before you're 30. I'm like, if I make it to 30, like who knows, you know, life is yeah. so short. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, how, and, and there's probably unhealthy ways that you can get to that sense of living in that state of desperation. Right. But, but there, but there's wisdom in that of like, man, life is so short. And are we really, are we really optimizing every moment that we have, you know, and, yeah. and trying to get the most out of it and bring the most to it, right? Because that's the only way you get the most out of it is if you bring the most yeah. to it. And, and there's so many people that are just live in this state of mediocrity and complacency. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's so sad. Like I love, one of my favorite quotes is the man in the arena, you know, where he says yeah. like, you know, I don't want my soul to be among those poor, or the, myself to be among those poor and timid souls that know neither victory nor defeat. 
You know, like yep. most people don't risk enough or give enough for it to hurt bad enough if it doesn't work, you know? Yep. And then yep. they also never risk enough or give enough for when they win to really feel like what a flush of victory means yeah. is like. Yep. And like, can we live our lives in that way? And the beautiful thing about leaders and coaches is we have an opportunity every day to model that to our people. Yeah. And then to mm-hmm. create environments and experiences that, that train them to live in that way as well. And, yep. and sometimes fate gives you an opportunity to learn it the hard way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, exactly. it forces that, that learning right. experience. So right. th- that's really awesome. Anything, um, you know, so again, you've been to the playoffs 10 times. What was different, you think, about this group of guys that, that helped you, you know, actually clinch <clears throat> that title? I, I think their resiliency was just different. And, and I referenced the crazy things that happened. This, from the very beginning of this season, um, our opener was at Christopher Newport, which is in Newport News, Virginia, the weekend of Hurricane Dorian. So we didn't know if we were going to be able to play the game until Wednesday. So we had to adjust our flights because we couldn't fly into Norfolk, Virginia. We had to fly now. We flew into Washington, D.C. And, and ironically, back to Mark Batterson, I called him as soon as I found out we were flying into D.C., He's never in town. You know, he's the lead pastor at National Community Church in D.C. He happened to be in town. So I said, would you meet with our team? He said, I'd love to. So we fly in. Our flight was late. We get in at 3 a.m., put our head on a pillow for a few hours, get up, hop on buses. We go tour Capitol Hill, and we get a chance to meet with Mark, and he tells us more about Chase the Lion and a great story about a couple of boxers, uh, gentleman Jim Corbett and Another, another champion. I can't remember the guy's name anymore, but just about fighting another round. It's just a fascinating story. So we held on to that the entire year, but then we get on our buses to go back, get to our hotel. And now we got to drive to Newport News. Our offensive bus dies. So we wait 45 minutes for the next bus while the defensive bus presses on. We get on the bus and I'm texting my family, my two daughters, my son and my wife about, this is awesome. It's exactly what we need. If we're going to have a chance, we want to win a national championship. We're going to go through crazy stuff. What great training right out of the gate. What else you got for us, God? Yeah. Literally, I texted that to my, to my family. My son, who I mentioned was like a month into his time at Michigan State and, and was struggling. I wish I had your mindset. And I said, well, you can't. It's a choice. Yeah. You know? So uh, not, not five seconds after I hit send on the text, our defensive coordinator texted me and said, Coach, you're not going to believe this. Our bus just died. So they're, they're stranded on I-95 in D.C. Our bus is chasing them. We catch up to them. <clears throat> we got to wait for another bus to show up now. And, so we got half our team, myself, our team chaplain, standing under an, under, under an underpass in Washington, D.C. for 45 minutes. That was just the beginning. And stuff like that just kept happening throughout the year. And I, what we did, though, in that moment is we all got together and we laughed about it. We said, this is hilarious. What else could happen? How awesome is this? And, they, and the guys were like, you're right. This is funny. And so the rest of the year was just – Anything that popped up, it was almost as if it was a gift. Like, this is exactly what we need. Our flights were late in the playoffs. Our guys loved it. Oh, this is perfect. So everything, something went wrong where you seemingly could have been like, how could this happen? The guys were like, oh, this is normal. This is, what, this is what's supposed to happen. And so they were just different in that way in their resiliency. They, they were different from the offseason either, even before the season started. You know, as a coach, you try to get things organized. And in the, in this age of technology, you shoot text messages out. And sometimes it takes a while for guys to get back to you. This group within minutes, the entire leadership council would get back to me. 
and you start to realize what, well, wow, these guys are really locked in. And so that, that was the biggest thing. They were totally dialed in and just extremely resilient and not afraid of adversity. Our, our two years ago, chase the lion was our theme and we have wristbands. And then, so then last year it was run to the roar, which is one of the chapters run to adversity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we talked about eagles and how eagles are unique because they have tremendous vision. They can stare right into the sun, but they also fly into storms, not out of them. So the very first week of the year, we're flying into Hurricane Dorian. I mean, it just, it was crazy, all the different coincidences that happened. Yeah, you know, that's, that's powerful. And that mindset piece, right, is like, it is a choice. And they've yeah. done some really great research that looks at, you know, stress, right? And what they found is that stress isn't bad. It's how we yeah. view the stressful situation that, yeah. that we come into, whether we experience that as positive stress or negative stress, you stress or distress. And, yeah. and literally, our physiology changes in our bodies based on how we view that situation. And so right. again, those guys were able to laugh about it and see it as, oh, this is part of the story. This is part of our process. This is why we're going to be yeah. great because you led in that way through your communication. And, and again, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the podcast that we had uh, last week or two weeks ago with one of our general managers, Tavon Reed, it was titled, uh, we, live for the, we Live for the Fire. You know, mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah. you know, our business is on fire right now. You know, we're, the RV industry is blowing up. We're working crazy hours. Like our supply chain are having challenges. And he's just mm -hmm. smiling because he's like an OG, you know, he's yeah. like, he's yeah. smiling. He's like, yeah, this is, we live for the fight. We live for the fight. This is what this mm -hmm. is. This is why we're here. You know, if things yeah. were easy, we'd be out looking for a fight. And so that's a mindset. And, right. and so you know, it's just a huge opportunity for, again, us as leaders. How are we showing up to the moment and how are we communicating in ways that help our teams um, really adopt that mindset and, and go after and, and attack adversity, you know, and welcome right. that because, you know, that's when we win. That's when we grow. That's when we get stronger uh, as a Absolutely. unit. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So let's shift a little bit into looking at your staff um, as we start wrapping up here. What are what do you look for in leaders? So either in your staff or in your leadership council that you mentioned, what are what are yeah. some of the the identifying um, things that you know give you the courage to put people in those positions? You know, I think guys that don't make excuses is a is a big deal to me. You know, when, when something goes wrong, you got to own it. You know, you have to, in life, you have to own your outcomes. It's nobody else's fault. It's, it's, it's on you and guys that are willing to do that. And, you know, the other thing I think with leadership that we haven't necessarily discussed right now, I think leaders certainly loving, serving, caring, and telling the truth. And, you know, in love, I don't think there's love without discipline. I think speaking greatness, those are all really, really important, but I think great leaders are willing to say what's unpopular. They're willing to say what needs to be said, whether it's going to be well-received or not. I think you have to have that. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the no excuse kind of thing. And, and so I look, I look for that. I look for guys who really go out of their way um, when nobody's watching. You know, and you find these things out through other players and they, they do something special. We've got a young guy right now. He's a sophomore, um, African-American kid from a really tough area who's going through a lot right now with, with everything. It's, he's struggling. But yet, we had another player uh, from a farm community up north who was struggling quite a bit more. And, and, and this young man had heard about it, was concerned about it, reached out to me immediately, 
and we were able to get out in front of it. That just takes a lot of awareness and a lot of humility and, again, service, thinking about somebody else instead of wallowing in, in my own sorrow and what I'm going through, which is real right now, but yet still being on, on high alert for how other guys are doing. I think that's really, really special. We knew this kid was a really good leader when we brought him in. He's, he's blown us away, and, and I, we got three more years with him, so I, I can't wait. That's, that's so exciting. How, you know, what's your, what's your sort of philosophy on developing leaders? So you identify them, right? And you see, you see it maybe in some of your, in your people, how do you actually go about developing leaders? You know, giving them opportunities, different, uh, maybe different responsibilities and just see see how they handle it. I think you have to give them opportunities to lead. And, and in that, and you know, the other thing, the Navy SEAL stuff has been tremendous in that way. Those guys are, they're, they're incredible how they can really get reads on human beings and tell you, I mean, they hit the nail on the head both times they come, came out. And ironically, uh, Dylan Warden, you know, Drew's younger brother, he became one of the best leaders we've ever had. And, and we were a little frustrated at, at some points from a leadership standpoint, because he wasn't in my mind fitting the perfect mold in terms of using his voice enough in my mind. And these guys are like, hey, no, 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 he's, he's, he's tremendous. And that, that really helped me in terms of not having to demand or expect that from him. Let him lead in the way that he's really great at leading. There'll be another guy that uses his voice more. And so I think having a combination of guys with different leadership styles as players can be really valuable. And, and Dylan was just phenomenal. He continues to lead in that same way as a coach for us. That's awesome. So shout out to Drew Warden, who is an HR director here at LCI. That's his brother, Dylan, uh, that Coach is talking about right now. And this is yeah. uh, Drew helped facilitate this, this connection for us and give us an opportunity to learn from Coach Thorne and um, build, you know, start building this relationship and connection. And so, you know, it's awesome to see, it's awesome to see brothers, you know, leading uh, in, in very different worlds right now, but in similar ways. You know, Drew's a, Drew's a heck of a leader for us consistent, poised, alert all the time. Not a, not a hugely vocal guy, but will always tell you exactly what he sees. And, and that, you know, element of truth and discernment is so valuable when you're trying to navigate situations, you know, whether it's sport or football or life, you know, you need people that can communicate truth in a respectful and sort of unbiased way with only the goal in mind. Right. Um, and, and I think that that's something that drew embodies for us here at LCI and sounds like Dylan as well on your side. Yeah. And so yeah. um, that's, that's, that's awesome to see. Well, coach, as we wrap up here, any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? We, um, we always conclude with some high performance leadership training, which I've got a couple things based on what you said, I'm going to leave our audience with. Um, but yeah. any, any final thoughts on your end? No, I, no, I think this has been just terrific. I, I, I'm learning as we talk. So thank you so much for uh, the invitation and the opportunity to be a part of this. And I look forward to uh, further communication with you. And Yeah, I'm pretty sure this to... is not going to be the last time we yeah, talk. <laughs> that, I hope not because it, this has been absolutely outstanding and, and eye-opening for me and really would love to have you uh, come speak to our team. I think that'd be a great opportunity for our young men to hear from you. 
Yeah, awesome. And again, that's you know that's our whole heart here in the academy is is coming alongside of people, um, teams, individuals, organizations. So if there's anything that we can do for you, whether that's through speaking, coaching, training, please reach out to us, academy at lci1.com. And we would love to, to open dialogue with you and see if there's a way that we could collaborate or partner again to just come alongside of you in your leadership and cultural journey. So per that high performance leadership training that I mentioned, um, I, I want to challenge all of our leaders through this week for two things. First of all, I want to, I want you to create space for your people to build relationship, figure out a way, whether that's, if you're in manufacturing through a five minute huddle meetings, how do you create space to build relationship? If you have an opportunity to, to pull people out of your business or create an opportunity, take 30 minutes prior to the launch of a meeting, create space for your people to build relationship. Because listen, when things get hard and it gets difficult, it's caring about the person beside you that is going to give you the fortitude to keep moving forward. And if we don't create that as leaders, guess what? When it gets hard, people quit. They get distracted. They leave your business. They go on to a different priority. And and we have an opportunity to influence that type of resilience as leaders if we create space for people to build build relationship. And then secondly, I want you to tell the story. Tell stories of your business's history, of your team's history, of your own personal history, um, of yourself or your teams. Because again, it's that history and keeping people connected to what has been that helps layer in that element of humility that we all talk about. I hear all the time, oh, people are so entitled today. Well, we let people be entitled. Like if we create systems that teach them how to be humble and, and understand of which they're a bigger part, then guess what? That entitlement starts to get stripped away. And so again, as leaders, as coaches, as parents, how are we weaving these things in to replicate success? You know, we kicked this off with coach talking about his father's tenants that he brought in and, and people told him, hey coach, that's cool in high school. That won't work in college. Well, guess what? It worked in college pretty darn well. And because the reality of it is humans are wired a certain way. Leadership works. There's some fundamental tenets of leadership that if you do it, it replicates your ability to build great people and accomplish whatever it is your goals are in front of you. You just have to do the things that lead to great teams, great individuals, and great goal accomplishment. And this podcast is designed to give you some of those ideas. So again, your high-performance leadership training for this week, create a space for your people to, to build relationships and to tell stories of your collective and individual histories that can build that cohesion and, and just breathe that sense of humility and passion towards something bigger and better. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in today to the Lippert Academy for Leadership podcast. This has been Dr. Amber Selkin with Lippert Components and head coach for North Central College, Jeff Thorne. Coach, again, thank you so much for joining us. Amber, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And again, if there's anything we can do for you, reach out to us directly, academy at lci1.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast belong solely to the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the view or mission of Lippert Components, Inc. Thanks to Eternity Bro for our theme music and to Michael Yoder and the amazing team over at Truthwork Media. Thanks for listening.